Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three-step drop, throws on the end zone. Hot ball, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. It's first and goal. That's picked up. That's picked up. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. We don't even keep score. We just run that up and leave. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those up with the head. Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 29. Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to Cannon Fire Podcast. And they're the cannons, cannons. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rep. Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. A lot has happened since the last time we talked to you guys. Tampa Bay Buccaneers training camp in full swing as we await the first preseason game for the Buccaneers this season. They will host the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll talk about some of the action you'll see in that game coming up. We also have a lot to talk about when it comes to Buccaneers star linebacker Devin White. Some updates, some positive updates from the Devin White camp. But before we dive into all of that, wanted to take a few minutes here at the start of the show to, to kind of recap what was a whirlwind Hall of Fame weekend, especially for one Rondé Barber. A fifth Tampa Bay Buccaneer has been immortalized in the halls of the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Rondé Barber joining the likes of Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, Leroy Selman, among others, this weekend as well. John Lynch got his jacket. We remember recently as well. So for Rondé Barber, I mean, John Lynch was a long time coming, but Rondé Barber seems like it was an even longer time coming. Uh, He retired in 2012, was finally eligible in 2017, and it took all the way up until the class of 2023 for number 20 to get in. But as a cornerback who revolutionized the game of football and how that position is played, I think a lot of people here can agree whether you're biased towards the Bucs or not. This is long overdue. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, he's one of the best. I mean, I probably think he is the most iconic play in franchise history still. Um, Just because I think, sure, there's a lot more that you can talk about. The the Brooks pick six in the Super Bowl, um, all the ones from 2020 and, and stuff. But I think when you... When you look at the the history between the Bucks and the Eagles at that point, and how the Bucks were a playoff team year in and year out, and they were getting bounced by the same exact team in the same exact building, they, the games were never played in Tampa. It's not like the Eagles beat the Bucks in Tampa a bunch too. It was always in Philly, and it was always the Bucks not even being competitive against the Eagles. Um, and even that regular season, the Bucks lost to the Eagles in Philly uh, during the regular season. So I think. When you combine all that, the Rondé pick six, just ensuring that you were going to the Super Bowl, finally beating the Eagles, I I think it's still the most iconic moment in franchise history. So um, it's really cool that yeah he's finally able to to get remembered. Um, and I and, 
you know, don't mean to be too down, but like, unfortunately for guys like Simeon Rice and for Bucks fans that are hoping for another one, I, I think your next one's probably going to be Rob Gronkowski. Like, that's probably the next Buccaneer who's like going to go into the Hall of Fame. And then obviously Tom Brady will be in a year after that. But it might be a little bit of a wait until we have another another Bucks player. Technically, they had two because there's Rondé Barber and Darrell Revis. But, I was going to uh, say, let's not forget <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> legend Revis Island, uh, that Pro Bowl yeah. season that he had in 2013, just a year after Rondé retired. But, yeah, saying one more thing about Rondé Barber, he was the epitome of consistency in a Buccaneers defense. Even as a veteran, it never felt like he was off of his game, never felt like he had a down year. Like I know the 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 opinion is skewed a little bit because if you weren't young enough to watch Rondé in his early years, he struggled, and he's been open about that. He's talked about that, but he struggled finding and solidifying a spot on this roster. Until yeah, he says it all the time. He thought he, he, thought he was going to get cut in the yeah. second year. Yeah, he, he thought he was toast, man. But um, nobody has played more games Nobody has played more seasons in a row. The longest tenured Buccaneer of all time in Rondé Barber, 16 seasons, 241 games played. And uh, he does have 1,432 tackles as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, second in franchise history, only behind one Derek Brooks. So congratulations to Rondé Barber, a long time coming, as it is always great to see another Tampa Bay Buccaneer make his way into the Hall of Fame. And just another member of that elite late 90s, early 2000s Buccaneer red and pewter defense that uh, we all know and love so well. So congratulations to Rondé Barber. Excited to see that. Literally, I think one of our first posts on on the Instagram page for Cannon Fire Podcast was made all the way back in 2017, the first year that we found out he was going to be eligible to wind up in the Hall of Fame. And, and again, like I had mentioned before, it took all those years to finally get where we are now. But Alongside that, we've got some other Buccaneer news to talk to you guys about. And uh, the conversation on this one has changed a lot as well since the last time we talked to you. Uh, I think one guy who's got to be feeling pretty smug right now is the guy that called in last week to defend Kyle Trask and say, hey, man, it's not over till it's over. Because what did we say? I mean, I know that I said, I don't want to put all my eggs into one basket here. But it certainly feels like the media has done a good job of making everyone feel like this is a foregone conclusion at the quarterback position. And uh, here we are just a week later, beginning of the week, Baker Mayfield was the guy. And now when you talk to somebody who's been following along with social media and the headlines and, and the news clippings as they gather them, sounds like Kyle Trask has had one hell of a week of practice and Baker's kind of stinking it up through seven picks and nine practices. Again, that is what these practices are for. Don't let it get twisted. Baker Mayfield also named uh, the starter for Friday night's preseason game by head coach Todd Bowles. So, uh, jury's still out. This is not a wrapped-up, conclusive quarterback battle by any means. We're going to get a lot more action here uh, after the first preseason game. But but what do you think of this week? Obviously, Baker being named the starter and uh, Trask having the hot week as he did. Yeah, so... One thing, and I wouldn't even say, I don't know if Mayfield's been bad. See, that's the thing. And like, you know, we talk about it and everything. And, and to be fair, completely fair to us, that episode that we did, right? And we talked about Trask and everything. That was genuinely like, what, it was like two days in the training camp. Like it was, it was pretty early in the camp. So looking back on it, maybe we shouldn't have been as, I wouldn't say harsh, but as confident in it as we were. But at the same time, um, Trask hadn't proven much. And Mayfield had a track record of, yes, he has had shaky starts, but he's 
proven to be an NFL caliber quarterback. Now, um, I, I was in Tampa covering some of the practices for Bucks Nation and everything. So I was able to, to watch them up close. And like, I don't think Mayfield was bad per se. I just I think it has more to do with Trask looking like a different football player. Um, this isn't the same Kyle Trask that we've seen the last two years. It's it's a different player. It's a more confident looking player. Um, he's got more zip on the ball. There's more velocity with his throws, and he, he the mobility. Obviously, they're not doing read options with him, but like if he needs to escape the pocket, like he can and he's willing to do so. He's not a, a statue back there. He's not sitting there, you know, scared to get outside the pocket and try and make a play that way. So, to me, it, it has less to do with Mayfield struggling and more to do with like Trask progressing. And I think people sort of connect while well, Trask is doing so well. So that means Mayfield must suck. It doesn't always mean that. I think Mayfield's been fine for the most part. Uh, the interceptions are a thing. Some of them, like one of them was the the one practice I was there, the Mayfield's pass was tipped at the line by a defensive lineman. And then Yaya Diaby made a, just an unreal play and a dive and pick it off. I mean, it counts as an interception, but like, okay, like that, that's a really, really, really good play. So um, I, I don't think it has as much to do with Mayfield being bad as I do that Trask has progressed and is looking like a different quarterback. Not saying he's going to look like a good quarterback, but th- this is a different player that you've seen over the, the past two years. It's not the same guy. And to be honest with you, I I don't want to sit here and say people are overreacting because, again, we have nothing else to do. We have not watched football in eight months. So when you get to training camp and you start to see what looks like as close to game day conditions as you can get, you know, people want to get excited about this. But I almost feel like this is what happens when you don't have any expectations at all for a player. Because, again, like you Mm -hmm. said, this time a week ago. We didn't we didn't say it was a done deal as far as the quarterback battle goes, but not a lot of people had as much faith in Kyle Trask as they do now. And I simply think that's because there is no baseline whatsoever. And given the context clues that the organization gave us as well and their opinion on how much they trusted Kyle Trask to run a game, example, the Atlanta game that they could have put him in at the end of 2022, there wasn't a lot for fans to believe in. But I said it before. I'll say it again. I'll say it right here again. Uh. I picked Baker to probably win, but it would excite me so much more if Trask just kept practicing and continuing to be the better quarterback in some way, somehow, you know, we saw more out of him as a starter in the preseason than we did Baker. That would get me stoked, man. I would love to see Kyle Trask come in here, prove a lot of people wrong and uh, go out there and win that starting quarterback job. We got our first call of the podcast from the 3-2-3. We're talking about the quarterback battle, but we are talking all things Bucks as well. Welcome to the Can of Fire podcast. What's your name? Where are you calling in from? Yo, it's Ryan, Ryan calling in from LA, man. Hey, what's going on, man? Thank you for listening to us on the West Coast. Good, man. Uh, so I had a question because I know people always talk about when they bring up uh, – the fact Kyle Trask is doing really good in training camp and uh, how Baker Mayfield still has a chance due to value. Um, I know the Bucks used a second-round pick uh, on Kyle Trask, and there's a lot of starters in the league who have been picked actually later at the draft, such as Russell Wilson, uh, for example. 
So I was wondering, um, and given the fact Baker Mayfield makes like $7 million a year, I was wondering uh, why the value put on Baker, I think, is more overblown and you're going to stop. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question. Um, you know, you, you're talking about a, a draft pick who – especially at the time when the Buccaneers basically elected to draft a backup quarterback in the second round when they still had Tom Brady and were still in a winning window. And um, I, I think when you're looking at the Mayfield contract, though, one of the big things is it's technically a one-year $4 million deal because there's $4 million in incentives, so it can reach about eight. None of those incentives are going to be met if he doesn't win the quarterback job. So – if Kyle Trask is the starter, then you're paying Baker Mayfield. It's an expensive backup, but it's a $4 million backup. So um, I do think that the Buccaneers aren't really looking at it like that. I think they, and I don't think they can, you can't look at it like that. You can't look at, well, we drafted Trask in the second round. So he has to start or, Oh, well, we paid Baker Mayfield this money. So he has to start. You got to pick the best guy for the job. And I think that's what they're going to do. So I think it's, it's going to come down. I think the practices matter. But I also think it's going to come down to these preseason games. I think who looks better um, in si- actual game situations under under the lights. I think that's what's going to matter most. So when you're talking about you know values and stuff like that, I don't think the Bucks are worried about that. I think they're just worried about picking the, the best guy to help them win football games uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, the Bucks at this point are just grateful to be out of the hole. You know, $50 million in dead money from Tom Brady's contract and a team that already had to dig themselves out of cap space hell. I don't even think they're too caught up on the value of Baker. I, I think that they are a team who are ready to fully embrace this uh, this quarterback battle. And I think that's what makes Breaker, uh, Baker's price tag that much more admirable just because when you look around the NFL and you look at the quarterback competitions that are happening, this is the only one to me that feels like it legitimately has any weight. I mean, you could look at other teams. Like you could look at, I don't know, New England with like Mac Jones and, and uh, Zappy, Bailey Zappy, But like even then, I, I can't see Jones not being their week one starter um, just because of, you know, the weight of his contract, the, the tenor he already has with the team. He has report. It would be shocking if he lost that job in New England. It wouldn't be shocking to the media if either of these guys in Tampa lost this job, which I think makes it that much more authentic uh, for us as fans to sit here and watch, and I think obviously makes it that much more interesting. Um, but what do you think? Who who do you ultimately think is going to win this QB battle here before we let you go? Yeah, um, I think, well, I think, again, given, like, the critics of Baker are saying, well, he's a former first-round pick. We signed him to a contract. But really, I mean, none of that, I guess, kind of affects the Bucks. I think, more or less, if Trask shows out in the preseason game, which I hope he does, uh, you're not wasting a pick. Like, you're not wasting mm-hmm. a high day two pick. So, I mean, I would hope because, again, for value sake of what we put into it, I think Trask, um, well, I would really hope he pulls us off because uh, given the fact that we gave him two years to sit behind Brady, I mean, like, I, I kind of, again, I think it's a waste of a high second or low second, rather, or uh, whether, like, higher day, day two pick. Um, I think just overall, you, if, if Trask doesn't work out, imagine who you could have gotten with that uh, 64th pick. You know, it's kind of the way I think about it. It's like what, what you could have gotten instead of a guy you never started. But, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for, thanks for uh, answering the question, man. 
Uh, and uh, I forgive Evan Wanis for being a Philly guy. <laughs> we all know how Bucks are about Philadelphia fans. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, I appreciate so, it. Okay, I forgive you. I forgive you, man. You're, you know, you're, you, you, you got the Bucks conversion therapy, so. All right, cool. So thank you. There we go. We'll be sure to keep him on the right track. <laughs> See you, bud. All right. Yeah, like, well, I only want to spend, like, another, like, minute or two talking about this because now, like, now there's an actual game. We can talk about more things than just the quarterback. So if somebody wants to call and talk about the quarterbacks, whatever. But, like, as far as, like, the just us go, like, we can just chill and talk about it now. But, like, you know, he, I mean, he brings up a good point. And I know that there's other people that have felt this way too, that you, you know, you invested the second round pick in him and everything. But the one thing I would say is if he's not productive enough, it doesn't matter. Now, somebody would say, well, the second round pick, you deserve to get a chance. And, and that I'm not going to argue with. Um, but that's up to the, the coaching staff and the front offices. That's their decision. I think Todd Bowles wants the best guy that is going to give him the best chance to win as many football games as possible. So um, I don't think that can Heisman winner. We, we you know signed him and this and that. It's going to be the best guy. So um, I, I don't think it's going to be. I think he's sort of alluded to it that like by that third, by before that third preseason game, he's going to have a good idea. Uh, one thing I will say Big shout out. We'll talk about the quarterbacks and just to wrap up the quarterbacks. Uh, John Walford has, has impressed me um, with what I've seen from him. I, I would expect the Bucks to carry three quarterbacks. I mean, they literally they don't have another quarterback on the roster right now. So um, I would expect the Bucks to carry three quarterbacks in the regular. Walford's look good. I mean, he, he's had a lot of touch on the ball. Um, he's been I no disrespect to Ryan Griffin. Like I know that Griffin greatness guy is going to come at me, but. Um, I, I think Walford's probably the best number three quarterback the Bucks have had in Tampa in a pretty long time. So much more he of could, a refined. If, if, if yeah, if it was just Baker or Trask as the starter, be perfectly fine with Walford as the, the number two, and to have him as a number three is is pretty good. So I wanted to shout out John Walford. Yeah, much more of a refined third quarterback than a guy like Ryan Griffin. We obviously appreciate and cherish the longest tenured Bucks quarterback in history here on this podcast. Uh, but Walford's got that game experience you know he, he's been out there with the yeah. wolves before he's kind of seen uh what a worst case scenario on a football team looks like so i think he is a guy who could potentially step into that role and be a little more well fit uh than a guy who only saw maybe three or four snaps of regular season action during his time in tampa bay i, I wanted to say this and then i know we'll put a bow on the quarterback talk but you know going back to what you said about baker and, and talking about the value that he has one of the things that really helps the Bucks here as far as comparing this to any other quarterback battle in the NFL. They're not married to Baker. Like they didn't go right. out and look for a free agent quarterback to to put all their eggs into that basket. They they said it from day one. This is a legitimate competition. You know, look at the rookie quarterback. It, it's like just, we it's just not a lot of people believe them that is a legit right. competition. But now you're right. seeing it, you're like, oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that obviously goes back to what we covered at the beginning, the lack of faith in Kyle Trask. That's a whole other topic. But the fact that the Bucks aren't married to Baker is good because they can look at those attributes. They can look at a number one overall pick and a flashy Heisman choice. Uh, but at the end of the day, if that's not the guy who you think is going to give you the best chance to win football games come week one, th then I embrace it because, uh, you know, Todd Bowles and the rest of this staff, like this is, it's obviously a transitionary year when you move on from Tom Brady, but this is still very much a year that counts for Todd Bowles in the grand scheme of keeping his job. Uh, we have another call that we're going to let in here from the 662. 
Thanks yeah. for calling in. Welcome to the Can of Fire podcast. What's your name? Anthony. Anthony, what's going on, man? Where are you calling in from? Calling in from Mississippi, my man. Glad to hear from you. What's on your mind tonight? Well, tonight I want to – I know we're talking about the quarterback, but I want to um, see what y'all think about the running back competition because I know that every time we've had a good team, the running back has always been an important part. So what do y'all see as far as can anybody be a 1,000-yard rusher? Mm, that's a good question. Obviously, lofty expectations for Rashad White, second-year running back, showed some flashes last year, but – I don't know. Evan, let me toss this over to you. Do you think Rashad White, or really anyone in that Bucks running back room, regardless of if they end up signing a veteran or not, do you think they have what it takes to get a 1,000-yard rusher on this offense this season? Oh, I mean, I think I think Rashad White is going to get plenty of opportunity um, because I see Chase Edmonds there. I see Keyshawn Vaughn there. Uh, you, you see Sean Tucker there. and I don't really see much competition for snaps. Um, so I'm looking at Rashad white and I'm thinking, yeah, like uh, I do think Rashad white has a chance, um, especially it's tough you know, without knowing exactly what the offense is going to look like, you know, I just based on my observations at camp, I can tell that they're going to be using the running backs and tight ends a lot more in the passing game than I think the, you know, Byron Leftwich did. So is that going to be more Chase Edmonds' role, or are they going to have Rashad White do a little bit of both? If they have him do a little bit of both, maybe he's not that thousand yard rusher. So uh, I know, and I agree with the caller that uh, I agree with Anthony there that um, you know when the Bucks have had good teams or just good teams in general, you know you have to have some semblance of a run game. And we talk about oh, paying running backs, paying running backs. That doesn't really matter in this. It's just your running game has to be good. It makes life easier. Um, it just, it makes life easier on your offense. It makes life easier on your offensive coordinator, on your quarterback. It makes life easier on everybody because you're less predictable and the defense doesn't know what you're going to throw at them if you aren't one dimensional. And I think it's important. So do I think Rashad White needs to get a thousand yards? I don't think he needs to get a thousand yards, but I I do think he's going to be given plenty of opportunity and hopefully he does because like I, We've seen the Bucks in the past. Like Jason Light's not afraid to draft running backs, particularly on day two. And if Rashad White has a disappointing year, especially like I said, given that depth chart, like Rashad White, like is going to be the guy. Like he's going to be the guy in this offense. And given the depth chart there, if he would have a disappointing year, it wouldn't shock me if the Bucks, you know, looked elsewhere to to find other options. So that um, they're searching for that for that consistently good option there. And I mean, really Leonard Fournette was one of their best backs in a while. And he was a guy they signed as a free agent. So like they haven't had much success recently. Ronald Jones was a fine player, but like you'd expect a little bit more out of your second round pick. Um, They haven't had much success drafting running back. So I think they're hoping that Rashad White is the the homegrown talent that can finally break through and reach a thousand yard rushing mark. Anthony, thanks again for your call, buddy. I wanted to ask you another question about Rashad White in particular. Two more questions about the running backs. This is a two-parter. Uh, the first one, I'm going to throw a number out there. I want you to give me over or under rushing yards for Rashad White in 2023. 750. It's a good number. 
I wanted to go 650, but it felt too low. And then I said yeah, 700, that, and I'm like, that's too, that's too I, I, low. I would have hammered. I would have done over without hesitation with yeah. 650. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think, I think to, and, and I'll give you a second to process your answer, but I think to how abysmal this run game was in 2022, even in 2020 and 2021, when you had both Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, it was better, but it wasn't great. I think the mm. last great season we had, and I wouldn't even call it great, but I think the best running back season we have had in a long time was what, 2019 Ronald Jones, where he missed a thousand yards by like 10 yards or something because he got injured at the end of the yeah. year. Yeah. I mean, it, it um, has literally been tough sledding for the Bucks, but 750 for Rashad White. Because I, I know he'll get the opportunity. That's not the yeah. question. It's just if he has the ability to get there. I'm going to go over. I'll go slightly over. I don't think he reaches a thousand yards, but I think he goes over that. I just, I know it's a different offense, but I looked at, um, so Rashad White last year had 129 carries for 481 yards, but then I looked at, uh, Leonard Fournette and he had 189 carries for 668 yards. And I'm just, again, I'm thinking of the depth chart. I Mr. what Mr. they have there. Two yards per carry, man. It was just rough to watch. I'm I'm thinking of what they have there, and I know that they want to run the ball more this year. So I'm gonna go slightly over. I think White's in the probably gonna be in like the 800 range, low 800s probably is what I had to guess. Yeah, everybody in the live chat agrees with you. Our buddy Mikey Kelly says over. David Watch says over. JC Allen from Pewter Report says over a thousand. Uh, Chisu Masu, I think I said that correctly. If I didn't, I apologize. He says over oh, as well. Willie Beam and the moderator holding it down says, oh, yeah, I would love Sean Tucker to work out as the number two running back. His play, uh, play style complements a shifty speed type running back. Let me ask you this question as well before I get to the other running back question I had. We just got, you know, all sorts of new ideas that pop up. When you talk about this running back position, you know, we talked a little bit about Keyshawn Vaughn the last few weeks and how his spot on the team as of right now, at least in the running back room, Starting to feels like starting to feel like he's the odd man out. I mean, this coaching staff and a lot of the fans really seem to like Sean Tucker. I don't know if he has taken over any training camp practices to really give people a reason to believe he's going to beat out a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn. But if mm-hmm. the Bucks do not end up signing a veteran, who do you think makes the team? Sean Tucker or Keyshawn Vaughn or both? I right now I'd probably have to say both. Because here's the thing. I think they like Vaughn on special teams if he's not playing running back. Chase Edmonds has looked pretty good in camp. I think they I, they would like to keep Sean Tucker, and then like the other two, like Patrick Laird and Ronnie Brown. Laird's looked okay. Ronnie Brown's been eh. So like, I think they're gonna carry four running backs. So like, that would be your four. It'd be White, Edmonds, Vaughn, Tucker. Like, I I think that would be your four. So. Right now, if I had to guess, I, I would say both. But like, I, I the preseason games matter. Like these preseason games are going to matter. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. All right, let me ask you one more running back question, and then we're going to move on to some other news here. Would you be surprised, or would you expect the Bucks to sign a veteran? Maybe not before Week One. But before week five or six, do you think we could have another running back kind of pop up in this room here? Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is obviously something people are going to ask about. I don't think he would be a great fit in Tampa Bay, but cheap veterans willing to play on the league minimum, just looking for a role, not going to be a running back one. Uh, 
would you expect the Bucks to make a move like that? Or is it kind of, you know, with, with embracing the young talent on this team, is the running back room just another level of like, hey, let's just roll with what we got and see what these guys can do? Yeah, I'd be pretty surprised. I mean, obviously, an injury can change anything, right? Um, if Rashad White goes down or Chase Edmonds goes down, that may change things. Um, but assuming they're healthy, uh, I, I don't, I don't expect a veteran to come in. I, I think they really like Rashad White, and I, I think they've liked what they've seen from Edmonds. Um, so I, I wouldn't expect any sort of veteran to come in and, and fill a role there. Like I said, barring any sort of injury, uh, which you, you can't predict, but I, I don't, I don't see a veteran uh, filling. And even if it is a veteran, I don't think it's a, a Zeke type veteran. I right. think it's right. maybe a guy you've heard of, but like, I don't think it's this, Oh, like they signed Ezekiel. They signed Dalvin cook. Like I, it's not going to be something like that. And I, I don't think it's going to be, anything that would have long-term implications. So now I, I, I wouldn't expect them to sign a veteran running back. Let's talk about the other side of the football here and talk about the star linebacker in Tampa Bay, who has been all the rage these past couple of months. A guy, ah, well, a guy, sure? a, a guy, a guy who is really popular among fans right now. Yeah. You I mean, I, he's a, he's a star in his mind. I, I have <laughs> never seen a player take his fan stock and just completely wash it away the way that Devin White has, with all due respect. Obviously still on the team, showed up to training camp, and uh, after talking to the media for the first time in over eight months, he seems to be in good spirits. Devin White, the guy that requested a trade just a couple of months ago, he spoke to the media earlier this week and said, quote, I just want to be the guy here for a long time. After sitting down with Coach Todd Bowles and Jason Light, just understanding their plans for me and what they have in play coming up with something with those guys just to see how I can do better. Moving forward, I think we all came to a good agreement, just focusing on the season now. He also admitted to maybe getting a little bit selfish amid his trade request as he was positively candid with the media again for the first time in a long time. Uh, I think the media was geared up and, and ready to maybe try and trip up Devin White here in this press conference, and uh, he, he seemed ready and, and more importantly, happy to be there. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always tough uh, in these situations because, like, if you're there, like, what what's he supposed to do? Um, I I don't think he's lying. Like, I, I do think it's it's genuine, but at the same time, like, he's not going to create more of a distraction. Uh, yeah, he was very candid. He basically said, like, you know, like he felt like it was time for him to get paid. The Bucks didn't feel that way, and he sort of felt a certain way about it. Like, and he sort of let his emotions get the best of him. So, um, you know, as, as far as, as far as Devin White, you know, I, I think it's, it's smart for both sides. I think to just play this out. Um, because guess what? You know, if you have a career year, Devin White, you, you'll have no issues getting the money you want, which again, I believe Jeremy Fowler said earlier this week, believed that it's supposed to be around 20 million a year is what he's been looking for. Um, you know, if you have a career year, a pro bowl type season, you know, the bucks will have no trouble getting, giving you 20 mil and you might find, uh, you might find a team out there in free agency that'll give you even more than 20 mil. So, and for the bucks, it, it, it they can avoid making a huge mistake. If Devin white, if they pay Devin white 20 million right now, he goes out there and has the worst year of his career. You're locked into this guy for five more years at uh, not a cheap rate. So um, I think it protects 
you know, the, it protects the team and it allows Devin White to not only have the, the motivation, but also the chance to earn more than he's even asking for right now, should he play well enough. So I think it's, it's a win-win for both sides. Obviously, there's a bit more risk on Devin White's side, obviously, which is why he wanted the contract when he did. Of course, I would want the contract too before I'm entering you know, my final year. But um, we'll have to wait and see. But I think it's clear you're not going to see it become a distraction. Um, I, I don't think it's going to become a distraction. So uh, I, I do have something for the take bag later on on this. Uh, just the thought that that went into my head. So I'm not going to get into that right now. But yeah, I do think that it's a critical year for him, and and we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I, I do think that they they have an interest in keeping him, but it's it's at their price. From the 813, you're on the Cannon Fire podcast. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, fellas. My name's Jeremy. I'm from Tampa, Florida. How y'all doing tonight? Good, good man. How you doing? Good, good. Sorry I'm late to the party. I just happened to catch y'all guys. I watch that show when I can on my time. I appreciate all the information you guys give. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Amen, brother. Amen. I'm excited for Friday. I actually got two free tickets, so I'll be there Friday watching our team play and hopefully we'll see some clarity on how Baker really is going to look like, you know, come season if Trask doesn't beat him out because Trask has been the better one in camp, mm-hmm. you know. But so far, I mean, I'm hearing great things about Trask. Mike Evans is crushing it in camp. You know, my all of our guys. I mean, he's my favorite player on the team. He's a bunch of, you know, a bunch of favorites in the whole Tip Bay community. I really expect big things out of him. And I hardly heard you guys talking about the running back group. I must say, man, I mean, we got, there's going to be some tough choices to make, man. I mean, John Tucker really is baby chub. I went to the kids' college career watching him at Syracuse, and this kid's the real deal if he stays healthy. You know, Keyshawn Vaughn, I wouldn't sleep on him. He's had some success when he got playing time during the season and in the playoffs against Philly. I don't know if you guys remember that or not. But at the end of the day, I can't wait till Friday. It's going to be a fun season. I've been a Bucks fan for so many years. I remember 2002, the Super Bowl championship, by the way, Hall of Fame defense, the greatest defense ever in the NFL. I'll argue with anybody. Yeah, I'll co-sign about on the Ravens. Like so seriously, think about it. Four Hall of Fame players plus Simeon Rice. Hall Nobody's going to argue with that. I don't Hall care. Hall of, Fame I mean, coach, I mean, how, how Hall of Fame coach and Tony Dungy. Okay. I mean, he put it all together, man. He did. By the end of the day, I mean, the Ravens want to argue with the greatest defense. How many Hall of Fame players on your defense are in the Hall of Fame right now besides Ray Lewis? You tell me that compared to our defense in 02. Ed Reed make it yet? Sure. Yes, he did. He did. But he, I don't think he played in 01. Wasn't he drafted in 02? Yeah. I don't think he played on that team. I don't think he played that one. Tony, they got Tony Siragusa, but he wasn't a career Raven either. So. Yeah, but he's in the Hall of Fame, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he is. So he's he's a Raven, but I wouldn't oh, yeah. put him in the same criteria as the Bucks as far as talking, you know, homegrown Hall of Famers on that Buccaneers defense. Exactly. You know, at the end of the day, like I said, I love my Bucks. Whatever happens, I'm going to be there to root for them from from the terrible years to the good years. You know, I lived through the years of fucking sorry for my friends, Josh Freeman. Jameis Winston, people can and these four safe fans go back and forth with me. I don't give a damn. Jameis was just not the guy. Turnover machine. I can argue all day. 
if he would have came back in 2020, we wouldn't have won a Super Bowl. Sorry. Ain't going to happen, Jack. Hey, fair enough, man. We appreciate your call and uh, supporting the show as always, but we're going to let you go yeah. here. Good talking to you, friend. You too, man. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. All right. He had mentioned uh, he had mentioned the preseason game, and I will say this really quickly when we talk about getting ready to see, you know, Baker Mayfield obviously play with the starters. I'm less interested in watching Baker play with the starters than I am seeing what Kyle looks like. <laughs> I, I mean, I know that I've already kind of said this, man, but we, we talked about how different he looks as a quarterback, and I also know that we said we were going to put a bow on the quarterback talk a little earlier, but we get a call about the quarterbacks, and you got to talk about them. So with that being said, he looks different in camp. Everyone says he looks like a different player in camp. Is he going to look like a different player on the field? And that's what I'm yeah. excited to that, see. And that, and that's, what, that's what matters. Yeah. Uh, no, nobody, nobody cares if you look like a different player in practice, but you look at the same exact guy in, in a game. So um, we got a $2 super chat from... I don't know that name. That's, um, your, that's your boy. That's your boy. Yeah, you just, Mr. Spent Bucks a, Nation. you just spent a whole week harboring up in his house. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so some man. wild adventures. Shout out um, to everyone in the chat as well. Willie Beeman said, uh, yeah. love Drondae's Hall of Fame speech, but it's time for Simeon Rice to get his gold jacket. That guy wreaked havoc on the edge when I was in high school. Unfortunately, I just... If it hasn't happened by now, I'm not sure if it's going to happen. I think it might take a little while, but I would love to see it happen. I think I think Simeon Rice is deserving, um, but we will just have to wait and see. I mean, hey, hey, you know, we are talking as if his career is over, and it is not. Hasn't retired yet. Don't know when he's going to retire, but if you had to make a guess on the next Tampa Bay Buccaneer to make it into the NFL Hall of Fame, Why is it Mike Evans? Because oh. I mean that's 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 my pick. I personally so, so, so pure you want me to be honest? No, no, hold on. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, let's say pure buccaneer. Let just okay. for the sake just for the sake of you know the criteria we were grading the other the other stuff. Uh shout out to Mr. Bucks Nation. Another two dollar super chat said it's stanky, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. Uh <laughs> damn it james i was gonna make a great point oh so talking about the next potential buccaneers hall of famer this might be a hot take as i am as i am very outspoken uh fans of both but i feel like when you put the two of them together based off of the coverage that they have had throughout their career and at the time that it happened i think mike evans is going to be a hall of famer before levante david is Ooh. Yeah, I think Levante is going to get snubbed for a while before he gets in. Like I, I think that's Luke- a that's a good one. Yeah, I, assuming let's assume Levante David plays two more seasons in the NFL. What's that? 2020, 2024, 25 would be his last year. So he'd be eligible twenty twenty thirty. Let's assume that's Mike Evans played. Like <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah, right. It'll be here before you know it, though. Um, let's assume. I mean, let's assume Mike Evans plays four, five more years in the NFL. I mean, they're only drafted two years apart. It's kind of crazy. Like Levante David was drafted two years before Mike Evans. It feels like a long, like a long time, but it's really not. 
Like Will Golson was drafted the year before Mike Evans was. <laughs> um, that's tough. That, 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 that is a good one because, I mean, you mean like Levante is going to have to be – because if Evans plays another five years, that means that David's going to be snubbed at least two or three times, maybe even more if Evans is getting in before him. Because you got to think you play five more years, then you have to wait five more years. That's 10 years. Like that's that's a long time. Um, I, I could see it, though. I mean, I, I could see he just doesn't – you know, he doesn't have what a lot of them voters look for. So, unfortunately, I do think like Levante Davis is going to get in, but like I do, I could see it being like a frustrating thing for Bucks fans 10 years from now. So, yeah, I think it'll be a Rondé Barber, John Lynch 2.0, where year after year we're frustrated as to why this guy got in before he did. Uh, my guy's better than this guy. You know, the classic NFL tribalism we all know and love. We got another call on the show from the 813. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Eight one three. It's me, JC. What's going on, fellas? What's hey, up, what's JC? Up, How are we doing tonight? Good. How are you, JC? Good. Loving the pod. Loving the talk so far. Just want to come in and uh, talk a little ball with you guys. That's cool. Yeah, Sweet. let's do it, man. So, I mean, you've been out at uh, training camp more than a few times by this point. So, what's on your mind after this week? We we talked a little bit about Kyle Trask heating up in the eyes of a lot of fans getting ready for this preseason game against the Steelers. Devin Tompkins obviously been on fire this week. We were going to talk about that as well. And uh, the Devin White drama. But what are you thinking about, friend? Yeah, so I'm just like most people, probably my, most Bucks fans looking forward to this this Friday's preseason game. Obviously, uh, it looks like Baker's going to get that start. Um, and they'll go back and forth, kind of like what they've done, splitting reps throughout OTAs, off-season work, and, and, and training camp. So Baker will get the first go-around, and then Trask get the second go-around. And most likely after those two preseason games in a, full, in a week of joint practice with the Jets, they'll probably name a starter, I would believe. And that's a guy who will go uh, in week three against the Ravens in, in the preseason. But I'm excited to see the rest of this team. You know, offensive and defensive lines – you know, when they're out there, they're they're not playing to full capacity because they're trying to protect each other. You're not hitting the quarterback. You're not hitting the running back. You're not really wrapping up on tackles. And, you know, that can be a point of emphasis um, when you're not – when you're doing these live periods with pads on but you're not wrapping up. I want to make sure the tackling's on point. I want to see the offensive line get that push without worrying about injuring one of their own. Same thing with the defensive line. I want to see, you know, how, how Logan Hall – how JTS has improved in the offseason um, as far as finishing and, you know, just getting to the quarterback without having to, as I mentioned, you know, play it safe around their own guys. So that's that's really what I'm looking forward to. I'm not too worried about the whole quarterback competition. I think it will shake out the way it shakes out. So I'm not as worried about that. But just getting some live game reps for, you know, some of these veterans and third and second-year players who – need to kind of prove it, uh, and obviously the rookies and undrafted guys. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, you had mentioned the attention to detail and, and sparing no expense as far as the fundamentals and making sure these guys are doing things correctly, whether that's the form of tackling or covering, protecting the ball. One of the things that I saw this week, and, and they, they gave some praise to Dave Canales, was a video of... Uh, you know, teaching these wide receivers and these young running backs, these younger players, how to properly protect the ball when they dive for extra yardage. Like it was a whole drill station they had set up. They had a line of 10 or 15 players and a big giant red pad that they could all dive on. 
And Canales was right there on top of these guys, and he's coaching them up on how to secure the ball so they don't cause any, any uh, what's the word I'm looking for, any careless turnovers potentially at some point in the season because we've all seen it happen at some point. Uh, but what do you think of just the overall tone of practice from top to bottom uh, with Canales helping running things? Now, with Todd Bowles as another year as head coach, you know, it, practice seems to feel a little less militant than it did when Bruce Arians and Tom Brady were in town, but uh, the Bucks still seem to be focused on their P's and Q's, which is something that, you know, undisciplined teams in the NFL definitely are not going to do. Yeah, it, practice just runs smoothly, I feel like. I feel like they're they're getting into it more before you'd have warm-ups, individuals, and then they do go off and do this and do that. They're jumping right into 11-on-11s right away, um, right into the different – uh, types of work, whether whether they're, again, working on those fundamentals, working on um, the, the minute details of the game, the things that when it's 100 degrees out, you're sweating, you're tired, uh, you, you know, it's the fourth quarter of a football game, that you don't have to think about those things they're working on. A lot of situational stuff as well, which is good to see. Um, so I, I think the the energy level has been really high as well. It's been a little trippy, a little chirpy out there, which is good to see as well. Get that uh, competitive juices flowing. But you know the energy is just there. Like you know we 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 talked about it, and I'm sure Evan you saw it. But Mike Evans is when we were out there at the, together. And Mike Evans is on a different level that I've seen him in the last couple of years, and that was with Tom Brady. So it's mm-hmm. like just like not even just the rookies. Not the veteran, you know, it's, it's everybody who's just kind of looks like they picked their game up and they're just energized and excited about what this new offense, what this new team, what this, it's not Tom Brady and the Bucks anymore. It's the Bucks. Um, and they, they're, they're taking ownership of that. You know, no one guy is bigger than the other. And the fact that we're hearing more and more about these young guys too, just kind of getting it, coming along with us, Yaya Diaby or Savassier Dennis on the defensive side, Kalaja Kansas before he got injured, or it's these wide receivers, you know, Rakeem Jared and Trey Palmer just making plays, Cody Mock out there. It, it feels like everyone on this team has kind of picked their game up to another level. The system that they're using on offense is is very player-friendly. And just Todd Bowles' defense just continues to be one where it puts guys in the right position to make plays. So, it's um it, it's it's been a very smooth transition from from drill to drill. It's been a smooth transition, and I think one that has a lot of people excited from Byron to to Canales. We got a five dollar super chat here from our good friend Mikey. He is asking, uh, do we think John Walford will play at all? Like maybe fourth quarter in regards to this Friday's upcoming preseason game against Pittsburgh. We talked a little earlier on the podcast about how John Walford, you know, coming into this, what seems to be a quarterback three role is probably more of a refined, cleaned up, dependent option than someone like Ryan Griffin, as much as we love and respect Ryan Griffin here on the show. You know, I I think Walford comes in with that with that experience edge, a guy who has seen what a worst case scenario looks like on a football team before. Uh, Do you think we'll get our our fair look at uh, Walford against the Steelers? Certainly respect Ryan Griffin's uh, bank account. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, but I think with John Wolford, I mean, he's the smartest guy in the room. You've heard Canales say that multiple times. There's a reason why he's getting reps with the ones in practice. There's a reason why he's getting, he's going to get a, a good amount of reps in this game as well. I don't necessarily think it's going to be 
with the ones, but he knows the offense. He knows the offense like the back of his hand. The terminology has obviously changed a little bit, and there's new wrinkles that Dave, Dave has put in there, Canales has put in there as well. But he knows this offense, and the reason why he's getting these extra reps more than what a normal QB3 would get in camp is so these guys can take the mental reps. They can watch him and see, oh, that's how that's how Dave wants it, or that's how this play is run, or that, that's how when this call comes in, we're supposed to be doing it. So absolutely, I think he'll get some reps. It's going to be beneficial for both guys to watch him go out there, especially not maybe not as beneficial live. It certainly will. But when they go into the room the next day or two days later, and go over the tape and say, okay, this, 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 and this. See what John did here. You see what John does here. And it's not to like, you know, you should be doing it like John. It's not kind of like, but it's like he knows what he's doing. And maybe the thing about John Wolford, I mean, he had the talent of Baker or talent of Trasky. He's probably QB1 right now, but he just doesn't have that talent level. He's finally healthy for the first time in two years. He's been playing with a neck injury um, or not an injury, but just a lingering, you know, uh, issue with his neck. So he's finally healthy, and you can see it out in the field. He's throwing dimes. Um, so I, I think we'll definitely get a look at him. If anything, you want to keep your QB3 fresh and get you know as many guys reps as you can, especially you know on the, uh, on the offensive line and everything like that, without putting your two quarterbacks who are in a competition to start at risk. Um, but just for the mental reps alone, that will be really helpful for Baker and for Trask when they go and break down the game film uh, against the Steelers. We got another question in chat, this one regarding Bucks' first-round pick, Kalijah Kansi. We know that he kind of tweaked that ankle. They, they described it as a sprained ankle, I guess, expected him to miss a couple of weeks. But some positive news for the Bucks this week. He was no longer walking around in that big, ugly boot. Have you heard any updates on Kalijah Kansi and when he could be expected back in this lineup? Yeah, I think it's just the status quo. It was a calf strain. Um, but he was in a boot recently using the scooter to get around. Definitely positive signs that he's not in it anymore. I don't necessarily think we'll see him again this preseason, um, you know, depending on how quickly he can recover. Uh, maybe, maybe the Ravens game, they might, if that's two weeks away. So I highly doubt. I think they'll just keep him. He's a very smart player. He's getting the installs down. He's out at practice, which means he's getting the mental reps down. It's not something like the offensive line where you're worried about camaraderie or chemistry. Um, you know, you can kind of just, you know, you're going to be able to plug him in. And I think he got enough work with Vita in the offseason in that first two, uh, first week in, in training camp to really know how you're going to utilize him. Certainly, it doesn't benefit him missing time. But, you know, he's your first-round pick, top 20 overall. You want to make sure you can see the field. Bowles was cautiously, cautiously optimistic that he might be able to go week one, but they're going to play the slow game with him, make sure he's 100% healthy so there's no issues, you know, trailing into the season. So, you know, definitely a good sign he's not in the boot, but I think it's still a slow play with Kansi, uh, making sure he's ready to go week one against the, uh, the Vikings. All right, JC, let me ask you one more question before we let you go here, friend. Full, full candid here. Um, who do you want to win this quarterback battle. Not who do you think will win, but who do you want to win? And and I will guess, I, I guess I'll put it on the record. Uh, after this week, I'm Team Trask. I don't know how you cannot be. I, I know last week I was ready to get baked. I, I mean, I'm always ready to get baked, you know. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's it, whatever quarterback can win us the most games I'm going to be rooting for. But with expectations for Kyle Trask being as low as they were, and then after the first week of camp, everybody has nothing but great things to say. Not only do you see the effect of what having no expectations does to a guy, 
but I feel like it gets everyone a little bit more excited to kind of buy in and, and really see what he can bring to the table. But if he can keep the hot hand going, I would be stoked to see Kyle Trask win this job. I would be more excited for week one if Kyle Trask won the job and was the starter than if Baker Mayfield was just announced as our starter because it seems like when he was signed, that's what a lot of people's assumption was going to be. But let me ask you, JC Allen of pewterreport.com, uh, who do you want to win this quarterback battle? Funny, because I think you guys asked me this earlier in the offseason when I popped on, and I gave you all a <laughs> no answer. So I'll give you an answer this time. Um, you know, who I want and who I think is the best person for the job is kind of the same. And I think it's still Baker Mayfield. Um, and, and I don't have a rooting interest as a fan, either who goes or who not, who doesn't win this job. But I just think Baker gives you so much more experience, so much more swagger, that attitude. I think the guys react with, to him a little bit more. You know, he's living in a four-bedroom four apartment uh, quad with, with Tr- Trisha Werfs, with Bob Hainsey, and with Luke Gedeke. So that camaraderie there with the line is already – already together I just feel like yes Trask can be a little bit of a risk taker again we don't see see this is where the practices are so we're just observing what we're what we're seeing out there we have no context I don't know what play was called I don't know what right if the wide receiver ran a wrong route I don't I mean they're all learning a new system it's not just you know, quarterback coming and learning a new system. Everyone's learning a new system. So if the, you know, wide receiver, did he run a wrong route? Was it Baker trying to see what he can get away with? Was it just a bad throw? Did he just make a bad throw, a bad read, and put it in a bad situation? So those interceptions to me are so like, oh, like I don't, I don't know how to gauge them. Um, we'll see, I guess, on Friday, right, when Baker gets his start, um, if, he, if he's throwing turnovers, then we know maybe some of those – or just bad decisions, but hmm. I think he gives you the best chance to win right now. Um, but don't get me wrong. I have a very short leash, leash with Baker, and Trask has looked really good. And I, I said this today, you know, there were a lot of reservations about not naming a starter right away and splitting these reps in camp and not getting one of these guys ready for the season, getting those extra reps with the ones, you know. But the way I see it now is, with question marks surrounding both of these quarterbacks, much like there were last year with Geno Smith and Drew Locke in Seattle, if Baker rises to the occasion and has a, has a Geno Smith-type comeback resurgence, because he's got the talent, look back to 2020. You know, he's got the talent and he's got the smarts to not turn over the ball and make good sound plays and judgments in a similar system. Kevin Stefanski runs a similar system. You know, so he's he's shown that he can do it already. And... You know, if he does, then that's amazing. But if he doesn't, you've gotten Trask in that mindset of a starter mentality. He's taking those reps. He's not going to come in cold throwing to guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin if Baker does struggle. And they're going to the bye week and they're 0-4. Or Baker's thrown six interceptions. And they're like, this just isn't working. We need someone who's going to protect the football. Then you can make that transition over to Kyle Trask at any point in the season, and I think you'll feel comfortable, and I think the team will feel comfortable too, not say, oh, man, our season's over. They'll know that, hey, we worked with Kyle in the, in the summer. We know what Kyle's capable of. Baker won the battle, but we know what Kyle is capable of and feel comfortable with him coming in and not just kind of 
be like, oh, well, our season's over, you know, when you have a run-of-the-mill quarterback come in type deal. So I, I want Baker to win. I feel like this is the best process, even though there's been some hesitation and reservations from people in the media and fans and everything like that. I would not be upset if Trask wins. He's shown me a lot, um, partially because we haven't seen much the first two seasons. But he's shown me a lot that he can make quick, decisive reads. He's slimmed down. I mean, remember, Trask, the key on him was he's a pocket passer. That's what he is. Well, he's out there, lost some pounds, and he's running around, doing these waggles, doing these boots, rolling out of the pocket. He's shown me a lot, and I've been really impressed with him, although he's also played it really safe as well. And playing it safe can only go so much. There's going to be times where you need to take those chances, take those risks. I haven't seen those from Trask as much as I have from Baker. But again, that can also be a catch-22 because Baker's got seven interceptions and Trask only has two. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, this is the first year in a couple of years uh, in a long time, really. The Bucks have had a true quarterback competition yeah. that I've been um, a part of watching a true competition on a team that I follow closely. Obviously, I had Tom Brady for all those years, and then Cam Newton and then Mac Jones. So I haven't really seen one either. So I'm really excited to see the back and forth week one, week two, and see what the decision is. But again, I think Baker is probably the best, gives you the best chance to win right now. And he'd be my pick. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, JC Allen, always ready to get baked as he is supporting (laughs) Baker Mayfield. Uh, At least that's his pick for now, but it'll be interesting. You know, I'm always excited to see these guys go out there and battle it out, but I'm just excited to see the evolution of both of these players. Uh, Obviously the spotlight is a little bit bigger this year than it has been uh, for Kyle Trask and even Baker Mayfield, because when he went to Carolina, eh, we were hyped up for a little bit. You know, he he was talking his shit week one before Such the Browns game. Fit. And yeah, it just didn't end up being a great fit. Hindsight's twenty twenty. The guy moves on. Uh, he is on his fourth team in a calendar year. He has finally had, for the first time since 2019, his first chance at a full offseason install. You know, he's going through the process of practicing Healthy. with his team. And just like you had mentioned building camaraderie with his teammates, with his offensive linemen. That's some stuff you like to see. And then we talk about the evolution of Kyle Trask growing as a player year after year. And this uh, this year in particular, the spotlight being bigger than ever before. So it'll be fun to watch. But JC, we appreciate your time, buddy. And it's always great talking Bucks ball with I'll you. I'll just leave you, leave you with this one thing. A stat that jumped out at me, and I shared this the other day, was in five years of his first five years in the league, Baker Mayfield had seven head coaches and six offensive coordinators throughout that time. I mean, when you're average head coach and his seventh offensive coordinator with, with bowls and canals. Yeah. When you're averaging less than one head coach a year, it's, it's going to be tough sliding. (laughs) Right. So, you know, if he can just come in and be that Alex Smith game manager type, you know, he went through the same similar thing with San Francisco. He can come in and be that game manager, that point guard that they want him to do, but still keep that swagger, make those splash plays when he's called upon. You know, I, I think the Bucks will be in a good position. It'll Thanks be ex- for having me on, guys. Absolutely. JC, good talking to you, buddy. Check out his work on pewterreport.com, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good night, JC. See you, JC. You too. Bye, guys. All right. So I think, I think, shout out again to JC Allen. I, I think we have kind of covered everything we wanted to. We, we mentioned yeah. a little bit Devin Tompkins has been balling out. This is a guy who has obviously been... Uh, on the radar of a lot of fans paying attention to that wide receiver four position these last couple of years, 
Devin Tompkins is no schlep. Uh, and, and, you know, the plays that he was making this week at training camp will surely show you that. You and I watched in person uh, that wild catch that he made in the indoor practice last, was it last Tuesday, I believe, a week ago? Yeah, Tuesday, yep. Yeah, almost a week ago today. Exciting to see these young guys show up and make names for themselves. Like, that. that's... I think that's probably one of the best parts of the preseason. I know that we all kind of rib and joke and clown that, you know, oh, it's it's unnecessary, and the injuries suck. You can't account for those. But for the most part, the opportunity uh, that is on the table for a lot of the, the guys lower on the depth chart, you know, superstars are made in the preseason, I think. A lot of these guys aren't even going to get a chance to make the team because of what they do or don't do in the preseason. So... I know we talked a lot about the quarterback battle. We talked a lot about, uh, you know, Mike Evans has been having a great camp, but like that's Mike Evans. He's a 10-year wide receiver NFL vet. So yeah, I would hope that he's having a great camp. Uh, but when we talk a little bit more about the guys that uh, you just don't know a lot about or you're hoping to learn a little bit more about, um, it, it's an exciting time of year. Yeah, and, and real quick, uh, we got another $2 Super Chat from, from Mr. Bucks Nation while JC was on there. So he uh, he, he liked your uh, baked joke. So uh, that's what you, you earned like that one. Hey, but, hey, uh, and another $5 yeah. Super Chat from Shout Out Mikey. Shout Out Mikey. Really quick, though, before we do, before we answer the question, Mikey, we'll get right to it. We appreciate it. But just want to say, uh, you know, really appreciative of all the stuff in the chat. There's been... Uh, and on you know more than normal amount of a lot of support uh, in the chat for the for this episode in particular. So I really are, appreciate all you guys listening and subscribing and everything. So thank you very much. You know why it feels that way? Because football's back, man. That's I mean, that's we've right. Been, football you know, we've, football <laughs> brings people together. It's yeah, just, we've been doing a live stream to an empty chat room for the last six months, and now we're all ready to talk about some football again. And I'm excited. I'm here for it. We we truly do appreciate all of your guys' support, even the super chatters. Thank you, Mikey. So uh, Mikey asks with his $5 super chat, can we highlight the starting nickel cornerback three situation? Because obviously with the departure of Sean Murphy bunting, uh, this gets a little murky for some people who are not up to speed. So before we wrap up the podcast, we'll put a bow on it with this. Evan, the floor is yours. Yeah. Um, so that one is actually interesting because there's so many different avenues. Um, there's a lot of things. There's Zion McCollum, who I think in an ideal world, you would see him be the third corner. And I, I think he's had a fine camp, um, but they traded up to get him last year. You would you would hope that he developed enough with a really good special team or just the one he was put on defense. Eh, you know, so Try, I trial think, by fire. You got to figure it out one way. Or right, right, you know? right. Oh, for sure. And um, so Zion McCollum is a name there. Obviously, Josh Hayes, who they drafted uh, in the sixth round this year, he can play safety and corner, so I think they want to try him out there. Uh, you have D. Delaney, who's been on the team for a few years now. Anthony Chesley uh, is there. Derek Pitts Jr., who's made a lot of plays. I just threw out a bunch of names. Any one of those names could be the cornerback three on this team, not cornerback four, not cornerback five cornerback three and the starting nickel on his team. So that's where they've decided and they, they could add a veteran at any point. Who knows? There's still a ton of veterans out there. I'm not saying they can't, but they have decided that 
one of the sacrifices that they're going to make for when you don't have a lot of cap space and you're sort of in this transition year is they're going to look for a cheaper, younger, more inexperienced option at the nickel slash third corner spot. And clearly that's the plan because they have Anton Winfield playing a true safety role now in the back. You know, he's not, he's not up there playing nickel anymore. So I think the plan is for like, yeah, like, See if McCollum can do it. If he can't, oh, well, you know, like it's not, oh, you're ruining Tom Brady's last year. You're not doing that no more. You know, like it's it's not the same anymore. So um, if Derek Pitts Jr. is the guy that steps up, like Keenan Isaac, Keenan Isaac has been one of the Bucks' best corners throughout camp on the team, not, 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 just, not just in that like group it, on the team. So Keenan Isaac, an undrafted free agent from Alabama State, I believe, keep an eye out for him. Um, He's flashed. Uh, I believe he's number 16. So yeah, keep an eye out for number 16. But uh, he's a guy who's flashed. Josh Hayes, obviously, like I said, Zion McCollum. And I, I think it is open season. Like, I, I can't even give you a leader in the clubhouse right now because I think it is completely open for that spot and for the rest of the corner spots. I don't know how many corners they're going to carry. They have a few guys that can play both corner and safety. Dee Delaney's one of them. Josh Hayes is one of them. So that helps their chances on staying on the roster. Um, but I, I, I can't give you a leader in the clubhouse right now. But it's one of those guys. <laughs> it's, it's a group of guys, and that's going to – Really, the preseason games are going to, you know, ask me that in two weeks and I, I might have a more clear answer for you there. But, uh, yeah, right now, if I if I had to say, I'm, I'm sure the Bucks are quietly rooting for Zion McCollum to take the reins of that job. It is a competitive time of year. And of course, we're going to keep you guys updated every step of the way as we are just a few short weeks away from regular season NFL football. It's crazy that we have reached this point. It's kind of weird because we talk all offseason about how long it takes to finally get back to training camp and football activity. And then once you get here, it's like it just flies by. Like, it's just fast and furious. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to be talking about week one, and the next thing you know, it's going to be week 14. So, yeah, you know, savor yeah. it. First and foremost, savor it because football is here, and we will have football on TV every single weekend between now and February. Thank God. But yeah, uh, the, um, the, well, the, the two things I had for my, my take bag and, and JC also mentions uh, Christian Isian is another name. Mm-hmm. He can play safety as well. And corners. He's another guy like that. Uh, you know, JC thinks that Isian could be the, the nickel corner. And that wouldn't shock me. Like, honestly, none of those names would surprise me. Um, but to the two things, uh, one, and this is very unlikely, but just a, a thought that I met, had seen mentioned. I was like, huh, like, might make some sense if the Bucks really struggle um, at the trade deadline and things aren't going well with Devin White. I do wonder if they look to trade him uh, at the at the deadline or just see what they could get for him at that moment. Um, just a thought. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know if the Bucks are. You know, I think things have to be really bad between the Bucks, like on the field and inside the locker room between the Bucks and Devin White for that to happen. Don't think it's going to happen, but just a quick thought. Second thought, Yaya Diaby, he really, when I hear him talk and I see him play and everything and just hearing his energy and stuff, I'm not saying this is the player he's going to turn out to be, and he's definitely not going to be this guy from day one. He just reminds me of Jason Pierre-Paul. Like I, I, I get a lot of JPP vibes from Yaya Diaby, just the energy, the the vocalness 
Um, the way he plays the game, I, I think he said he's down like 10 pounds from when he played at Louisville to want to get more explosive. He's one of the strongest dudes on the team already, but he wants to get more explosive now. Uh, he's an energetic guy, always smiling, a, a charismatic leader, I think, going to be on that defense. Just gives me a few Jason Bearpaul vibes. So I'm excited to watch out of the obvious preseason. Yeah, I think we had made those comparisons after the draft. Uh, when we were doing our draft grades. There were a couple of guys that we had compared to Jason Pierre-Paul. But for Yaya Diaby, man, I mean, it, we also talk about how there's always these lofty, unfair comparisons that are made, like Kalijah Cansey obviously being compared Warren to... Sapp. Right, Warren Sapp <laughs> and Aaron Donald, like a day, after, and, a, yeah. a day after the combine. They're like, yeah, this guy looks like Warren Sapp and Aaron Donald and John Randall all put together. And like, that's pretty lofty. But uh, for Yaya Diaby, you love to see his attitude. You love to see how effective he's been in practice. And, and more guys with an attitude like that who are just ready to come in and ball out is exactly what this team needs. Because just like JC said, it's not Tom Brady and the Bucks anymore. It is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So everyone who is fighting for a spot has a role on this team. Even if you are a second or a third string guy, you're going to have a role on this team. And it's, and it's going to matter. It's going to matter. We have one more five-hour Super Chat from Mikey. He wants us to get a good meal at Wendy's. <laughs> Thank Donate you, to the Wendy's Fund tonight. The Wendy's Fund is stacked tonight. Me and you are going to be eating good tomorrow, buddy. A couple, a couple of Baconators, um, buddy. Yeah, yeah, that's going to that's gonna fill us up. So, Mikey says, any surprise cuts we can see after the preseason, or is that safe for another episode? I mean, we can speculate right now. It's tough to do it before the preseason, though, because you got to keep an eye on, you know, who performs how in the preseason. But we mentioned Keyshawn Vaughn before. Uh, I'm not sure about that now, just because, like, guys like Patrick Laird, Ronnie Brown haven't really stood out much, but if one of those guys really stand out and Vaughn doesn't, maybe Vaughn's the guy. Uh, I mentioned in an article for Bucks Nation, actually, I said maybe Aaron Stinney could be out. Not sure how he's going to respond to the you know major injury he had last training camp. Um, there's sort of a log jam on the interior offensive line there. So Aaron Stinney could be a guy. Uh, another notable name could be like Cam Gill. Uh, he could be a guy with them drafting Jose Ramirez and Yaya Diaby. Jose Ramirez, if he flashes a little bit, maybe Cam Gill's on the out. So uh, it's tough to give a concrete answer right now. So like I said, you, you know, you check back in with us. You know, yeah, if you want to do it to the Wendy's Fun again, that's fine. If you're in the chat and you want to ask us again in two weeks, we can probably give you a more concrete answer on that. But uh, yeah, it's there's. I'm sure there's going to be one or two. Um, there's there's one or two every year for every team. So um, there's going to be one or two. Last year it was I. It was what Tyler Johnson, I think it was last year, um, was like the whoa, you know, kind of cut. So, um, yeah, because we all yeah, thought it was going to be Scotty Miller. Every year. I, think, I think last year it was such a shock because everyone expected it to be Scotty Miller. Yeah. And then, yeah, you see, yeah. and then you see Tyler Johnson let go and we talk about his upside. And he went, oh, where did he go? Houston? Houston, but then he ended up back in Tampa. Yeah. And then he went to the Raiders. And now he's with the Rams. So kind of a journeyman now, but yeah, you know, I remember Scotty Miller wasn't doing much of anything in that camp, but Tyler Johnson was doing so well. And then they cut Johnson because of the special team factor. So that's what you have to factor in. A lot of those, like I said, Keyshawn Vaughn, if it's going to be Rashad White and Chase Evans, mostly in the backfield, Keyshawn Vaughn's going to contribute on special teams. If he doesn't contribute on special teams and a guy like Ronnie Brown or Patrick Laird does, that's a scenario where you see Keyshawn Vaughn being a surprise cut. So we'll see what happens. It's all Julio Jones' fault. 
That's what happened. I mean, that was um, a rough wide receiver room to try and get into it. Uh, you yeah. Know, at this time of year, I mean, in the, the, the top four were locked. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's all Julio's fault. Thank you yeah. again, though, to everyone hanging out with us tonight. David Wash, JC Allen, Mikey Kelly, uh, Chizu Mazu. I still think I didn't say that correctly, but hopefully I did. The moderator, G Vegas. Mikey, of course, helping us out with the Wendy's fun. Willie Beeman and uh, our buddy, Mr. Bucks Nation. Anyone else that I may have missed, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. As always, follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast, best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer News. As it happens, speaking of Bucks news, as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at Evan NFL. Check out his written work at BucksNation.com. Anything in the hopper this week? Uh, not anything specific, just obviously it's game week. So uh, keep an eye on, you know, on the site. There's going to be a lot more activity now that we're actually in the football stuff. I have my my training camp recaps up for from for Bucks Nation. So um, keep an eye out for this week for not only just my stuff, but uh, you know, a lot of the other guys we have on the staff there. So uh, going to be covering the, the game and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, very excited that that football season is finally here. Last but not least, you can find myself on Instagram, Twitter, and I guess threads uh, at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. The next time we talk to you will be Thursday night. We'll be live right here on YouTube.com forward slash Cannon Fire podcast previewing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers first preseason game. Uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Raymond James Stadium. It is game week for the first time in over eight months. We are pumped and excited to keep you guys posted. As we wrap up, the angry devil, the show mascot, Scout says hi. She's losing her mind over here. She's eating my hand. She's eating my <laughs> you, hand. you need to get her like a, like a Bucks tag on the collar. I need to, yeah, I need to get her a Bucks tag. I need to get her a jersey. I mean, she's... Get her like a, get her like a, get her like a CFP tag. Get her like a yeah. little CFP hat, like a dog hat. CFP. Oh, I love it, man. Maybe some yeah. new merchandise rolling out here soon. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 you know, the, the Spotify listeners and all the, all the podcast listeners are so confused right now. That's all right. You can go to youtube.com forward slash Cane of Fire podcast and take a look at the cutest puppy you'll ever lay your eyes on. And then uh, I think, I don't think, I know, uh, Friday for the game, I will be filling in live on the Mr. Bucks Nation YouTube channel for James Hill on the game day reaction live stream. So keep an eye out for that. And then uh, maybe that Friday night we do a little call-in show. I don't know. If, if that preseason game sucks the life out of me, which you know normally the third and the fourth quarter of a preseason game will do that to you, I might not want to do a call-in show, but uh, I don't know. We'll let you know. We'll keep you posted between now and then, of course. Follow Cane of Fire Podcast for every step of the way as we get ready for Buccaneers football season. But that's the show. I am your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. Thank you once again to everyone who called in hung out with us in the live chat and everything in between. You guys are greatly appreciated. We'll talk to you in the next one until then. And as always, thank you for listening and go box. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.